Uh, first, before I begin, I just want to say happy uh, Pastor Appreciation Day. I just want to give a shout out to some of our great pastors here and directors. We have David Miles, of course. We have Pastor Frank Barker. We have Sarah Goodell, Cammie Wright. I think I'm forgetting someone. Anyone? Just kidding. Pastor Pete, where is he at? Let's give him a round. Appreciate you all. Thanks for all you do for our community. So excited and thrilled to be uh, speaking this morning, sharing God's word with you. Uh, This morning, we're going to take a dive into some ancient history. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about Korean church potlucks. And by the end of our time together, uh, my prayer is that we as a community would just leave this building and immediately think about how many interceptions Kirk Cousins is going to throw tonight, because there will be plenty, hopefully, let it be so, Uh, but that My prayer, more so than that, is that uh, we as a community would hear from the living God today and that we would be so moved that we respond with the entirety of our lives. Amen? So if you are ready to be challenged and changed, let's turn to the Word of God. Uh, Let's turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 19 through 21. If you are able to this morning, please stand uh, for the reading of God's Word. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The church in Antioch was an experiment that was so radical, and we can also say, yes, so innovative, that it gave birth to a new term that we know today as Christian. But this, of course, poses the question, what was it about this community that it was here And not in Jerusalem, not in Ephesus, not in uh, Rome, but here in Antioch. That the followers of Jesus were given a new name. Well, to get to this answer, we need to do some historical legwork. So let's travel a little bit back in time to the year 300 BC, where we find a ruler by the name of Seleucus Nicator. Uh, Nicator meaning the conqueror. Uh, Seleucus the Conqueror discovered Antioch back then, and by discovered, I mean he got rid of enough important people to rename it after his father, Antiochus, hence Antioch. And Antioch, over time, grew into the third most important city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria. And whereas what characterized the city of Rome was its power and seats of government, and what characterized uh, the city of Alexandria was its wisdom and its libraries, what characterized Antioch to some extent was its unique demographic. Antioch was home to over 500,000 people, making that about 18 times the population of Maple Valley. And this population could be divided into at least 18 distinctive ethnic groups. The city of Antioch was incredibly diverse, but it was also incredibly divided. Uh, From the very beginning, 
Some folks realize maybe the best way to keep the peace in the city is to make sure everyone's kept within their own little pockets and circles. And so a wall was built up into the city from the very beginning. And by the time the book of Acts was written, this wall came to symbolize the spirit of exclusion and keeping to one's own that marked the people of the city. And this wall turned out to be not such a bad idea considering some of the conflict that would ensue over the years, especially between the Jews and the Greeks. Now, for most of history, these two groups got along pretty well, but they also had some hang-ups with each other. For instance, the Jews not only thought the Greeks were impure and slightly pagan, okay, mostly pagan, but they also didn't forget that one time that a Greek king desecrated their temple in Jerusalem, forced people to eat pig and break kosher, and killed a few people here and there. Meanwhile, over here on the Greek side, not only did they think the Jews were antisocial for not partaking in public events, not only did they think that the Jews had these we chosen and you ain't vibes, but the Jews, if, if memory serves them correctly, the Jews marched into Antioch years ago, killed a bunch of Greek revolutionaries, and plundered the city. So there was some tension, there was some bad blood under the surface. And this makes sense when we read Acts 11, verse 19, that those who came from Jerusalem to Antioch went and preached the good news of the gospel only to the Jews at first. It makes sense why they went to people who were like them, to those communities they felt comfortable in and made sure to avoid those Greeks, those folks over there. Because to one degree or another, I, I do this too. I don't gravitate towards the people who are not like me. And if we're being honest this morning, maybe some of us can relate to those early Christians as well. Perhaps it's all too human. We like to stick to our own. And that's what makes today's passage so remarkable and so unique. Because in verse 20, we learn that some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, make sure to go over to those folks, those Greeks over there. And they make sure to share the good news of who Jesus Christ is for them. And the hand of the Lord was upon them so that many believed and turned to the Lord. And suddenly, in a city known for its walls, in a populace marked by division and violence, a new sort of community was born. A community that worshiped together, prayed together, served together, that broke bread together and sat at one table together and declared in unison, here there is neither Jew nor Greek, here there is neither slave nor free, here there is neither male nor female, but all are one in Jesus Christ. Of course, this bothered some folks. Uh, specifically some people in the church of Jerusalem. They saw what was going on in Antioch, and they were scandalized to learn that kosher-abiding, Torah-following Jews were sharing table fellowship and meals with impure Greeks. And so they sent some men over into the church of Antioch to pressure them to stop doing that. Meanwhile, in the city of Antioch, tensions were also at an all-time high between the Jews and the Greeks. Just a year ago, there was a massacre of the Jews in the city. 
And so nationalism was on the rise on both sides of the wall. And you can imagine on one side, the Jews were probably looking at the Church of Antioch and thinking, what are you, a pure and Torah-abiding Jew, doing with those bacon eaters over there and those murderers over there? And meanwhile, over on the other side, you can imagine the Greeks saying, what are you, a intelligent and wise Greek, what are you doing over there with those antisocial, bacon-hating plunderers over there? And back and forth and back and forth, it probably went. But the reason why we remember the Church of Antioch is that despite the pressures and the challenges coming from both sides of the wall, they decided to do one weekly revolutionary act. And it was this. They continued to meet at the table. And because they continued to meet at the table as one, the world around them eventually had no choice but to say, yeah, you're right. You're not a Jew. Oh, yeah, definitely. You're right. You're not a Greek. In fact, you are built different, so different that we're going to have to call you something entirely new. So let's go with Christians. I grew up Christian in a Korean church, and I'm only talking about my community that I grew up in. I'm not talking for all Korean churches, so just a disclaimer there. But the gossip was wild. The gossip was a little whack. Uh, and I told myself when I grew up, I'm going to make sure I go to an English-speaking, uh, non-Korean church because surely in American churches there is no gossip there. <laughs> You're laughing. I don't know why. <laughs> because Americans are nice, right? They let you walk into their house with your shoes on and let, them, let you open their fridge and take some milk. I've never seen these in Korean American communities before. But we had these things back then called kuyok yebe, which was basically these district worship services we would have at someone's home. And guess whose home was always volunteered? Yeah, ours. Uh, because my mom would always volunteer our house. And it used to annoy me, and I used to not get it, because she would wake us up early, and we'd have to get ready and prepare everything. And I thought to myself, Mom, this doesn't make any sense, because last time I checked... Some people at the church don't really like you. And you don't really make it a secret that you dislike at least 50% of them. And I mean, they would get on each other about everything. Whose kid had the higher GPA average? Whose kid was on track to get to Harvard, though? Which is Harvard in Korean, by the way. You know, there would be these back and forths about who brought enough food to the potluck, who didn't bring any food to the potluck, who made it in the United States, etc., etc., but the thing was, everyone was invited to our house. Everyone from the church. And everyone in the church was in our backyard, and everyone, most importantly, was at the post-service dinner table. Rich or poor, born in the States or an immigrant, brought enough food to the table or didn't bring any kimchi at all, shame on you, did not matter. Everyone was there. And as I reflect on these kuyogebes of my childhood, uh, there's two things that come to mind. Number one, I don't really get Korean adults. But the second lesson I learned was this. What brought them together was greater than the differences that kept them apart. Or let me put it more precisely. The one who brought them together was greater than the differences that kept them 
apart. Maple Valley Church, when uh, we think of innovating to advance the gospel, at least when I think of it, I think of programs and outreaches and resources. And over the last seven months, we have seen some creativity unlike before. We have seen uh, worship in the parking lot. We've seen drive-by birthday parties. We've seen VBS at home. We are going to have a carnival where you can drive through and trick-or-treat. But this morning, I want to propose that perhaps... The greatest innovation, the most important one, and the one that often goes overlooked is the innovation of the heart and of the mind and of the imagination. Because what I want to propose is that what advanced the gospel in Antioch was not a new program or resource or outreach, but what advanced the gospel was a new way of imagining who belonged to the family of God. The innovation in Antioch was that they stopped looking at who was already at the table, but started to ask themselves, who's not here yet? Who have we overlooked because we have somehow convinced ourselves they don't belong at the table? Who have we excluded because, oh, quite frankly, they make us uncomfortable at the table? Who have we left out because when they're there at the table, they really convict us? And last but not least, once we have all those folks at the table, are we willing to keep them there? Even if our family starts to resent us for it. Even if our friends start to say, we don't really get you anymore. Even if the world continually tells us this is impossible, this is wrong. You ought to be choosing a side by now. And the legacy of Antioch, NBC, was this. To that last question, their answer was a resounding yes. And my question for us this morning, NBC, is are we willing to ask the same innovative, radical question of who belongs at the table and who is missing from the table? And to be honest, let me just be real, it would be a lot easier to build up walls. It's a lot easier to lock ourselves in echo chambers and label that the mission field. It's a lot easier to speak to people I like, like Todd Goldsmith over here. It'd be a lot easier to say, hey, I shared the gospel. That's evangelism. But my prayer for us, Maple Valley Church, as a community, is that in a world that is busy building up walls, we would be in the business of setting down tables. That just as the community of Antioch looked at what was happening before them and had no way to describe it but to create a new category to make sense of what God was doing in their midst. My prayer for us, Maple Valley Church, is that Maple Valley in Seattle and the state of Washington would not know what to do with us. That they would start to exclaim, man, NBC, they're just built different. NBC, they're breaking the status quo. Oh, did you hear at NBC? They're sitting with those people over there and these people over there. And so the only way we can make sense of NBC is this, that the God who brings them together is greater than the differences that can divide them. Amen? Amen. So may the spirit that was at work in Antioch be at work in our hearts, in our minds, and in our imaginations today that we too might innovate to advance the gospel, that we would go to those places we haven't gone to before, 
Be willing to speak with those people we don't really want to speak to. Listen to those communities we don't really want to hear from so that all might be gathered at our table here. And the only thing they can say, the only thing that the world can say is this. Would you look at what the Lord is doing at NBC in our midst? Would you look at these crazy Christians? Amen. Pray with me real quick. Holy and gracious God, we thank you that from the beginning you knew us and you chose us and through your son you redeemed us and you've loved us. But so often, God, it's so easy to take that good news and to reserve it for ourselves and reserve it for our communities and not to think about who is on the outside. So God, this morning, we ask that your spirit would be at work in us. Give us the strength and the imagination and the courage to reach out, to innovate. So that in a world busy building walls, we might be in the business of tearing them down and setting up tables. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.